This is Take 10 of Films D Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Thomas. I'm just going to go straight in and introduce our guest for this week's episode of Films D Podcast. She's a filmmaker, creator of the series You're So Talented. One half of the production company, our names are Sam, Sam Bailey. Hi. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. Thank you very much. It Thanks for Really enjoyed being able to come out um, a few weeks back and check out your launch party for season two of this your series you're so talented that was really really fun i had a great time that night oh good i met your family i met you your came. friends i met your fans <laughs> yeah i'm glad you came it was in a really nice turnout uh at the Whistler, so i was really excited yeah that was an amazing event you and i think you mentioned during the uh intro before the series air uh premiere of the first episode of season two that there was just the cast and crew from the when you guys had that same type of event at the Whistler the previous uh, season, right? Yeah, for the first season, uh, we had like a rap party there, or like um, like an end of season, a season one party there, and like there was like fifteen people there. So the fact that we had to turn people away at the door at this time was was dope. Yeah, <laughs> it looked okay. fast for them, but like nice. wow, y'all had to turn <laughs> really people away. I'm happy I got there early. Yeah, they then. were at capacity. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, dope. nice, awesome. So, if you could just before we been talking about what's going on currently with your production company, tell me a bit about yourself. Okay. Um, I am a. I guess like now I put on the appearing filmmaker, but I actually uh, have my background is in theater. Um, okay. I'm from Chicago. I went to Columbia College for theater and acting. Um, and in the last couple years, I started focusing more on writing. And then from that, I started uh, creating my own content, which uh, naturally evolved into like filmmaking, actually. So your background's in theater, and you found your way in the film. Is that quite because you wanted to be able to make your own type of uh, work, get your own voice out there? Yeah. You know, when I first did it, I did it just as something to do in between projects, like in between plays. Um, and it just quickly became something that I, I really enjoyed. And, like, I didn't know it was going to reach the people I did when I was doing it initially. It was just a way to write and create work, continue creating work, because in theater and as an as solely an actor, you need permission to kind of practice your work, you know? So um, this is my way of being active, even when I wasn't um, technically in a play. Uh, and then, yeah, and then it just became, I was like, oh, I actually really like being on set. I really like developing things from, from the ground up. And so I started to fully focus on that. It's interesting that you bring up asking for permission as a creative to be able to create your work. It's almost as though even with the advent of uh, the invention of social media and YouTube and all the other uh, networks uh, for delivering content nowadays that there is still a feeling by content, well, not just creators, but uh, artists in general 
they feel as though they need almost that permission or even need that inspiration before they can get into really making true, authentic art. Now, do you find a lot of what you do has to come from a place, uh, authentic place? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think everything that I'm creating thus far is coming from some part of me that I want to explore. So just, you know, by doing that, by exploring those parts of me, I think it's authentic. It's authentic to me. It's authentic to the people that I'm collaborating with. Um, right. So, yeah, for sure. Now, is that I, I was just watching um, the f- second episode of season two and just catching up. I really felt the authenticity in that episode, of course, because you guys were on a road trip in the episode. And of course there was the moment where you all had to take a bathroom break and it was just right then and there on camera. That moment just reminded me of watching always sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, that's a great compliment. <laughs> yeah. Well, the whole, the entirety of like the series just reminds me of a always sunny in Philadelphia and in, in so many different ways. It's funny and it's authentic. There's this very kind of dark, dark humor to some of a lot of the moments that you all share on camera, uh, you and uh, the rest of the cast. <clears throat> and yeah, I just, that was my first thought. I was like, oh, it's like always sunny. So, yeah, I think the series is like, it's definitely, I think, she, I think episode two is probably one of the funnier, like the more comedic episodes. But in general, you know, I don't think I went to show a show that felt very, very like, realistic, like hyper realism. I went to like go into that. Um, and so for me, like, I don't think comedy, I don't walk around the world in like a slapstick comedy sitcom type mm-hmm. of environment. So the comedy is usually ingrained in something that's a little bit more dark dark or just like not a little bit slower i think sounds like our comedies will be takes a little more time to permeate um that's that's a really cool compliment thank you i don't know it's just it's great and i would say it's it the similarity is primarily in the fact that i feel like you aren't apologetic in the way in which you're telling the story of b correct i I'm, i have here small yeah, yeah. i have small ears yeah. I got these big microphones, no, headphones yeah. <laughs> on. Like, yeah, okay, so I heard it right. All right, so uh, <clears throat> that's that's cool. So, what sort of film projects? I know maybe this wasn't your first film project, but what sort of film projects did you do before you and uh, Sam, the other half of We Are Sam? Uh, what did you kind of works did you produce before then? You created You're So Talented. So Sam and I, yeah, Sam and I came together on You're So Talented. We knew each other um, through, like, mutual friends a little bit before that, but we came together on the first season of You're So Talented. And before that, any of my experience on, like, on set was as an actor. Um, This was the first time that I was actually on set as, like, a creator or as a producer in any way. Um, Sam also has a video background. She studied it in in SAIC. so we both had like done little things separate from each other. Just so talented was the first thing that we came together on. It was like this is going to be a professional thing that we put a, all of our energy into. Um, and then from there, we between like so, so we did the first two seasons, and then um, we went to Ghana and shot a short film, and now we're back. So those are like so so far we've only completed like three um, projects on projects. 
there's a couple more in in pre-production, but in okay. terms of like what was created as Army Your Saint, okay, okay, the three projects. So you're are you working on editing the project that you the short film you shot while you were in Ghana? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that's our that's like one of our main goals this year is to get that out or to get that um, shopped around during the festival season. Not this one just finished, but the upcoming one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're working on a feature that we'll start shooting at the end of the year. And then a couple of other um, smaller projects uh, with you know friends and, and companies that we admire around the city. Awesome. Well, you jumped straight ahead to my question about what current projects you're working on now. So I'm going to go move ahead and ask you, where did the idea for the series You're So Talented come from? Um, I think the idea came from like hearing, one, hearing that phrase, You're So Talented, and thinking that it was kind of an empty um, phrase that we tell people when we don't really know what else to say. Um, and I was just kind of playing around with that idea one day at work, and I was like, oh, I think as an artist and as an artist in her early twenties, like trying to figure out where you belong in not only the art world, but in like your own world and finding out where, where, like where your space is for that. It feels doesn't, there's not like a straight path for that, you know? Um, and so you're so talented is kind of like this cheeky response to that. Um, and that's kind of where I just, I just went with it. I wanted to show a woman, a woman of color who is figuring her shit out. Um, in a way that's nuanced and authentic and funny at times and cringeworthy at times. And, and that's what kind of what came out of it. What was the writing process like? Um, the writing process was, you know, me, I, I work at a gym, but that's my day job. And I had to be there at 445 in the morning. So a lot of it was me just being at work while I was empty and writing scenes like it's, they first started off as really short kind of blackout scenes um and then they just started to grow so when i gave it to a friend to read and she was like this is dope but i think you can go further and once i kind of had that permission to write serious shit uh i just kind of did um but it was mostly it was mostly an insular solo thing and then every now and then if i felt good about it i'd you know send it to a friend so while like that but Okay, so while you were checking people into the gym, you were like writing your script and saying, "Enjoy your workout," and continue. You went right back to the script. Was <laughs> was that the yeah, experience? That's or? What, yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. That's legit. Yeah. And then once we started um, post for first season, I started writing second season, and that was slightly different because I kind of knew what I was going to get into the second time, and you know, I put post-it notes all over my bedroom and <laughs> mm. try to figure out how to connect the dots and go from there awesome so i need to look out for my drink my trainer at the gym he might be writing a dope ass script on the sideline and i don't even know <laughs> never asking, know <laughs> yeah what you doing behind that desk you're not looking at my id to make sure i am me you you looking at celts you're looking at final cut you editing a film right? yeah, so. <laughs> i wish i wish i could edit at work but no. <laughs> <laughs> so uh what really influenced the tone and how, or let me ask you, how would you describe the tone of the project to an outsider? Um, I would say that it's, it is hyper-realistic. I, I'd be lying if I said I, I wasn't inspired by like the mumblecore genre. You know, I've always, I've always really been drawn to slice of life movies that felt like, oh, these are people that we know. These are people that are, you know, uh, 
on journeys that feel very familiar to us. So that's always in my goal with the series is to show this like hyper real, sometimes funny, but like nuanced story um, about this, this black woman. Can you tell me a little bit about how the creative team came together and how you maybe funded the series? Yeah, uh, once so once I finished the script, I just started reaching out to people for recommendations. I was kind of I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do with it. Um, I had reached out to like a friend of mine who is in charge of Van Magazine, which is like an underground arts magazine, and he immediately told him about it. And he was going to come on. He was like the first person to sign on <laughs> as the uh, wardrobe stylist for the series. So like, I, I, I had no production team except <laughs> like the wardrobe and and myself. He was going to um, look good if anything else. <laughs> if everything else wasn't there, um, he was going to look right. Make sure we're going to be on point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, then I just got a recommendation from friends about uh, a couple guys that were interested in, in shooting it. And then Sam came on along with my cousin as um, Alistair Slaughter. And they came together to do all the, all the music in the series is original. And they do all the music for it. Um, and Mateo Gonzalez is our DP. He's been on both seasons and went with us also to uh, Africa to shoot the short film. Um, yeah, most of the team's been with us. If that, if I hadn't worked with them before, like the Goodnight Ladies, who are our directors, I had acted in the film that they produced last year. Um, our sound guy had also was the sound guy on that film. So most of these people that I've met are because we've met on like, you know, other projects, mm-hmm. sometimes through theater stuff, and but sometimes just through other film projects. Um, they're all like fun people that I really enjoy working with. Which is kind of like the big, the big thing. I'm like, oh, we, you know, we have a fun time on set. So everyone there is really devoted to being there and, and just being like really good at what they do. So in so um, many different ways, your project, it sounds like the just the production team and everyone both in front of and behind the cameras is diverse. I noticed while I was at the party uh, that yeah, mm-hmm. you had women, you had uh, you had men, you had Hispanics, you had black men you had white women it was just like everything it was so diverse you have of course white men can't forget about them because we don't want them all to turn into donald trump but (laughs) Uh, (laughs) yeah i mean it's really important to me that the like the crew and the people that i work with um look like the world that i've you know made for myself which is you know, specifically Sam and I talk about that we work with, um, like, people of color, women, queer people, and very gentlemen. That's kind of our philosophy when we have people come on um, because I don't really want to waste my time proving myself to, like, mediocre white dudes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. So yeah. how did you all manage to fund the project? Uh, for well, I know the second season you got funding through a grant. Is that correct? By Chicago? Yeah, Chicago filmmakers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chicago filmmakers administered a great a grant from Vocal Fund, and we got a like a nineteen thousand dollar grant for that. And so that, along with some other funding, we got through Open TV, which is our distribution um, site. They uh, helped us out a little bit. But first season, you know, we did it off. I think all together, including post production, it was six thousand dollars. Um, you know, it's kind of like you just do what you got to do and you can do it with what you can. Mm-hmm. Um, but everyone was just, well, I mean, the episodes are, are sh- like half the, half the amount of time that's the second season. Um, so we all just kind of got stuff done in like five days. It was kind of crazy. 
Sweet. Some of, some of the locations, did you have to secure those by getting permits, or was that kind of free promotion you in exchange oh, for? Oh, guerrilla style? Yeah. Um, most of the places we got, I mean, first season for sure, we just did what we could. Um, we, like, talked to a bar, and they, like, let us show up one day, and we shot there. Um, all the apartments are places that, you know, either we live at or really close friends live at. Um, the theaters, like I said, I come from a theater background, so they're really dope and been really awesome to let us use um, their space at Three Gardens Theater um, and in Free Street Theater, let us use uh, their space in first season. Um, second season, you know, we did some train stuff, so we had to do a little guerrilla style, uh, you know, hiding the camera. Um, making sure the sound guy was on the other side of the, the train car. <laughs> we just kind of did things, you know, as we uh, as we could. As you know, we snuck, we did like sneak shots and stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, we're not coming That's... from. We're not a huge production team. We don't have all the like all the background and all the um the support that bigger productions have. So we got what we could get. That's funny. That, that I was wondering if there were scenes like that, even if there were scenes where you included people like passerbys that you just included in the shot and maybe after the fact informed them like, hey, we just used you in the shot. We improvised. We want to show you what it looks like. Did any of that kind of stuff happen on set? Because I felt oh, like... Oh, no. Okay. Not with people. No, with people. We have enough, like, way, we have enough act. Like, our cast was, was long. Okay. Um, so that was, was never, we never had an issue like finding people to actually um, like be in the piece, um, but locations definitely. I mean, especially when we're walking on the street, or we, we filmed on the six hundred six. We just did it and tried to, you know, cross our fingers that no one would, would get us. Stop. Yeah. So, <clears throat> are there any kind of like behind the scenes or bloopers or moments like that that you all plan to maybe release in the future to kind of get your fans, um, fans yeah, that are really you know, interested? Yeah, I don't know if there like there's no bloopers. We don't. I don't know. We don't really keep any of those tapes because I was like, you know, we can't use it. Um, but behind the scenes stuff, I don't know. I mean, we actually got kicked out of the Jefferson Park train station, um, and and a ticket for like smoking. <laughs> oh shit. Um, so we had to like, yeah, we had to like redo an entire day of shooting and like add, put two episodes together. Um, so that was annoying. Um. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, there's like little stuff. People start singing and dancing in the in between takes. You know, there's videos of people knowing every word to the No Scrubs song by TLC. Like we have that stuff, and we do, we are trying to make sure people get it and <laughs> and can watch us just be you know jokesters on set. Nice. Pardon this break. We thank you for listening to Films Deep Podcast. If you're interested in being a sponsor or would like to be featured on a future episode, please feel free to contact us at filmsd at gmail.com. That's F-I-L-M-D-E-E at gmail.com. Thank you. So if you could tell me what was the last film you watched online via like Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, iTunes, or any other streaming platform, legal or illegal? <laughs> I don't. I'm like so afraid to download stuff illegal. My like, yeah, laptop, me too. I just bought a new one. Yeah, I had a roommate. Yeah, I don't do it. I had a friend who had a roommate who ended up getting a ticket uh, from uh, the Dallas Buyers Club, uh-huh. and he uh, that movie. I guess his roommate downloaded the movie the same week of the Oscars, and they 
they I guess they found out they had like all these uh, different legal actions that uh, the company that produced the film was taken across the country, across the world. In fact, I think there were quite a few people in Australia that were fined for it. And so his he got a letter in the mail from the Internet provider telling them that you illegally downloaded this movie. You owe us money. Otherwise, you're going to jail. So he had to pay up the wow. money. Him and the roommate, yeah, till his day, yeah. So they're not cool How no much more. Was it, you know, I don't recall. It had to be a couple right. thousand. I think it was a couple thousand. Damn. It was a couple thousand. Yeah. Yeah. So. No fun. Hollywood, yeah, yeah Hollywood uh, so came, no, really came for their money because he couldn't pay eight dollars for that to go, yeah. you know, rent it or wait for it to come on TV or something. I don't know. Anyway. So, well, that's sucks. it's good to know you don't watch <laughs> films illegally. What is was the most recent <laughs> film that you've watched on like Netflix or Hulu? And what was it about? The most recent film I watched just on work a couple of days ago, this Saturday, um, I watched uh, Crooklyn on Amazon. Uh, Hold on, what? Crooklyn is a Spike Lee movie. Yeah. Crooklyn's huh? on Amazon? It is. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't seen. I was just thinking about that movie, and I hadn't seen it in a while. And I was like looking. You know, Amazon has a lot of freaking movies, but it's not. You gotta like search. Anyway, um, so I saw that. I'm assuming people know what it is, but if you don't, it's about um, a family, like a black family, growing up in Brooklyn in the '70s. Um, and it's just, I think it's it's one of my favorite movies. I really enjoy that movie. The acting is so good. Getting those kids to act that authentic to me was really. Really beautiful, really dope. I love that movie. I love that movie, and I always laugh at the part where um, their aunt is looking for a dog. Teeny, teeny, where's Teeny? <laughs> and then when she finally finds him, and they pop him out of the motherfucking uh, couch because of the uh, sleeper in the couch. She ended up getting closed up in the sleeper. They pull the sleeper out. She's going, boing. And yeah, it's just it's hilarious. I love that moment. I'm sorry. That's I, it, it's sad. I'm, no, I, I'm I'm I I have sympathy for animals. I love animals. I just that moment was just it was funny. It was kind of over dramatized. That's all. It was just they it, it Spike Lee exploited her. He exploited her sadness yeah. and her love for that dog. But oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that was my one of my but favorite. He got a moments. good movie out of it. He did. That was a great <laughs> movie. A good movie. That was a really great movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sweet. Sure. So you just watched that. What you pull out? Like your hot tamales. You got some popcorn with some hot sauce on it. You got your grape right? soda. No, you know what? what? You I, I what just watched you... it at night and I just cry. Like, oh, <laughs> like, like I watch it. I was like they... waiting in my bed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it gives me so. It's also like I don't know. You, I was thinking about how rare it's so rare to see movies like that anymore. Um. But like watching that family is so so familiar to me, and so that also like made me out in my feelings. You know what? Two films it, make but... me cry. That and that film reminds me of one of the two films that I cry about. One is Crooklyn. I can't watch that film partly because it will make me cry. The other film that I cry mm-hmm. over is Beaches. <laughs> I always cry at the I end think of I've Beaches. Seen Beaches once. <laughs> You only saw it once. I've seen it multiple times and cried. I can't help but cry at the end of that movie when his uh, when um, Bette Midler's girlfriend, the, uh, the brunette in the film, I can't remember her name, but when she dies, that is, and then Bette Midler sings that song. It's just like I, it's over for me at oh, that point. Yeah. I can't I can't when hold back the tears. Yeah. 
Yeah, I can't oh, hold no. back the tears after That's that. Okay. Yeah, that film. Okay, <laughs> So, yeah, that <laughs> film and Crooklyn, I've cried over both of those films, and those films kind of came out around the same time. Yeah, I think that's okay. It's okay to feel that way. <laughs> Word. All right. Thank you for thank you for consoling me and making me feel okay about <laughs> how I feel when I watch those films. So, <laughs> what's your favorite genre of film? Uh, you know, I think that changes quite a bit, but probably probably horror movie. You love horror? Yeah, I do. I've always, I, I grew up, my mom used to always watch like the sci fi movies. Like, yeah. I've seen Attack of Fill in the Blank, like, I've seen all of it. Yeah. Have you <laughs> seen Attack the Block? Always... Have you seen Attack the Block? I, I don't know why that was the first one. No, that came but to I mind. do want to see that. I have not seen that. I do want to see that, though. Uh, I got it. You, oh. you need to see it. But yeah, I can. Okay. I, I think I got a couple of digital downloads still for that one. I'll probably be able to share it. But, um, Cool. That so horrors. Would you grow up watching like Halloween, Friday the Thirteenth? When was the first? Did you like yeah. sneak in as a thirteen-year-old and go see all the scary movies when you know they didn't allow kids to go in without adults? Were I feel like them? my mom was a big horror movie fan too, so I don't think I. I don't, oh, I so mean, she I dragged you along to all the joints. She's like, yeah, going. I never was like, I never. I'm gonna scare your ass to sleep, girl. <laughs> Back in the day, like the Logan Square movie theater was uh, like two dollars. I remember when it went up to three. Yeah. Back in the day, I'm 27 years old. I'm not that old, but that just shows you how like quickly shit changes, right? right. Oh shit, that shit did change. Um, yeah, it used to be like, yeah, it used to be like two to three dollars, and you know, it was like right around the corner. Shit, in a minute, we are gonna be saying the um, same thing about Netflix. It used to be eight dollars. Right. Now it's fifteen dollars. Mm-hmm. Just to watch a Netflix That's coming for a place. month. Yes, it is. <laughs> At the end of this year, it's over. For a lot of people, and, <laughs> well, not really. They still gonna be messing with Netflix, but then they are gonna be complaining about their cable provider not giving them the right kind of internet streaming, buffering the movies. Anyhow, that's, that's a different subject. So, <laughs> you and your, what are your top five favorite horror films? Um, I mean, that's hard because I like being like you know I think there's so many subgenres in horror. This is true. Um, and I like being I like really good horror movies. I like really bad horror movies too. Like I think the least scariest movie I've ever seen in my life is Candyman. Um, have you seen Candyman? Yeah, I've seen Candyman, and I've probably seen that one too many times, but not enough that I remember the plot. I just remember being scared. Uh yeah, I mean it's it's filmed like green green. Yeah. Um, it's about like this, like the scariest man in the world, and he like, I think I saw him. In, oh, he was in Final Destination too, as like the creep creeper or something. He was like in Final Destination. Um, yeah. I forgot what his name is, but he has like the scariest voice. I mean, that movie I've probably seen twice, and I will never watch again. Like just thinking about it, actually, right now, I'm gonna stop talking about it. Um, Night of the Living Dead. Uh, yeah, I think, I think you've said the name a couple times. Hopefully, you're nah, not like taking selfie pictures or something, right? No, I'm good. Uh, uh, yeah, Night of the Living Dead is Night a good Dead. movie because a black man always almost makes it at the end. Um, I love a good zombie flick. Uh, Scream. Scream is a good movie. I love the way the it, entire trilogy or just one. Uh, I mean, I would say the first one that changed the game, for sure. 
but I, man, I watched all four of them. Um, yes, the fourth one came out while I was in college, and I, I peeped that. You, uh, it's, you know, it, got, it gets worse as it keeps going, but yeah. the first one's the best, I think. Um, second one's pretty decent. It was nice uh, how they brought it back. The second one when Jada Pickett dies in the beginning. The second one? Could you repeat yeah. that? I said it's the second one where Jada Pinkett dies in the beginning. Yeah, that's the second one. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is good. Yeah, despite um, the fact that a black person dies at the beginning, yes, it's it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> um, Halloween H two O. I don't know why, because I like I like Michael Myers in general. Like if I had to do Michael Myers versus Jason, I pick Michael Myers. Um. But it's sure for some reason whenever that shit is on, I'll watch it. Any um, of the Halloween? It's like a fun movie. Any of the Halloweens or just H two O? That one. But I mean, I I mean, I watch, but for sure, like if during you know October, I'm looking for a Halloween H two O. I'm looking for showing that movie. Right. They usually are. I think it's one of the best Halloween actually. Um. It's timeless Not in so many different ways, and, it, and it's practical. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What was that, the um, yeah. Resurrection? I think that was Resurrection. Right. Yeah. With Buster Rhymes, I think, was in it. Yeah, he was in that joint. <laughs> oh, man. He uh, didn't. He survived. He was one of the few survivors at the end of that. No, or, yeah, 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 I think he survived. He was in the ambulance at the end. Joe. I do. I think you're right, yeah. They didn't even show how Tyra Banks died. She was just all of a sudden, like, hanging or something. Yeah, she did. Yep, yep. They just found her hanging. You ain't even know how um, she died. She was just dead. Right? No, she was just dumb. <laughs> uh, and then the Babadook. Have you have you seen that? Yo, I've seen that joint in that movie. I couldn't remember the name of it for the life of me. And I, when I was trying to remember it, a couple night, maybe it was last week sometime. I I don't know why. I was trying to remember the name of that. I was up in the middle of the night. And couldn't figure out why I was thinking about that film, but I couldn't remember the name of it. I was like, what is that? Like, what is the name of it? So, yeah, that film, I've seen it. I've seen it maybe two or three times. One of my uh, homeboys, Kevin Hope, he put me on that film. Him and his girlfriend was watching. They like to watch, like, all the three-star films on Netflix just to get a, a kick. So, that was one of them. And it turned out to be pretty decent. And I thought it was pretty good myself. Like, I, I don't know why that film, I think maybe to start, it, it's, it's gotten really a better good. rating uh, since I've seen it. But it's, yeah, it is pretty good. It's a really good story. And I think it's underrated, if anything. It's it's great oh, yeah, it's in terms of underrated. like. It's a female director. Yeah. She like, I, hired, I think it's her first feature. She hired a girl that she went to school with. who's dope. The kid actor is really good. He's he really is. well acted. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a good movie. And that house is just like the perfect spot. Uh, and it's the kid that really sells it. You're you're right in that sense. Like that kid really sells that whole like idea that he really believes that this thing is real. Like this storybook is serious. Like he ain't trying to get down with the Babadook. Like don't let it get you. Like he's <laughs> he mad as fuck yeah. at his mom's once that shit happened. But uh, yeah. It's it's a good movie. It's a really good movie. So I'm wow, oh, nice. Yeah. You are down with horror for real because you pulling that you pulled that one out of <laughs> like Netflix. Like you really hunted for a good horror movie on Netflix, and you found it. It is. It's, so it's that's four sure. or five. Is that four? I think that's, that's five. Because I did Night of the Living. Yeah, Candyman. Oh, see, you got me. Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> Scream. Halloween and Bob Yeah. Nice. All right, cool. Those are awesome films, all of those. I love Halloween. 
I grew up watching Halloween. I my first scary movie, the first movie I recall ever going to see at the movie theater was uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one, the one that was in three oh, yeah. D. The one that was in three D was like one of the first three D movies ever. I was I was like nine yeah. years old, and all of my uh, guys in the neighborhood they were like all thirteen or older, and so they all snuck me in the movie theater and was like, "He's thir- he's old enough, he can go with us." And so, uh, you know, I was with them. Mm-hmm. I rolled th- rolled with them, went to go see that movie, and the following night, I had like the worst nightmare ever, and I still remember it to this day. I don't know why, but I think I remember it because I was able to manipulate the the direction that the dream went in, and I was like making Freddy Krueger smaller and smaller and smaller in the dream. That was the first time I was ever oh. able to like control a dream. I can't. I, I think there's a term for people with that kind of power, but I just know that Freddie can never fuck with me. That's all. Oh, oh okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's cool. I love it. Horror. I did not expect that at all. But it it again <laughs> it goes back to the whole unapolog- unapologetic and authentic nature of the work that I've that you produced uh, from, you know, mm-hmm. you're so talented to the productions that you have in the works. I'm pretty sure those are just as authentic because you just, that's you. I feel, I'm I, and, I, and I, I get that from you, even from your like social media updates. I was like, whoa, she's not who I thought she was. She real as fuck. <laughs> I dated like a girl that you, were, you just by looks reminded me of. And initially I was like, she fake as fuck. And then, yeah, and just because of my girlfriend, she was fake as fuck. So, <clears throat> no no diss to you. I don't take that the wrong way. I hope you don't. I don't. That's okay. <laughs> All right. But, um, no, I just, I I, I, I do respect a, a, a great deal of, like, the projects that, the project in both seasons. And just the fact that you've gone and started something and finished it. That's one of the biggest things that I've learned just from, talking to people about the content that they create, as well as talking to people who've yet to make content and they're like, I'm working on creating something. It's just a matter of creating. Yeah. Like all you have to do is go out there and create it and make it happen and finish it. And once you do that, you. But I mean, that's, it's hard. I mean, I think like, you know, seeing a film from idea to, to completion to like actual premiering that is, it is a difficult thing to do. I just think that um, for me, like not doing it, is, is is a worse idea, but I do think like it's a lot of it's a lot of hard work, and I get why people stop. I get why people like don't follow through because <laughs> there's definitely times I'm just like, fuck this, man, this is too much. Who am I making this for? You know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So, what kept you going during those moments? Was it your crew? Was it the fact that you had already I dedicated mean, all this I time think- to it? And you had this vision that you, or you maybe. Had this I, other voice come I think in. there's a mixture of I think there's a mixture of all of that, but also like you know everyone isn't able to tell their story. So if you have a platform that you can, or you have the ability to, even if it's just a little bit, if you have like a, a small impetus to actually do that, then I think you have a responsibility to, especially if you come from some uh, um, a place that has that's like underrepresented. You know, I feel like it's my responsibility to tell stories of of women and women of color because I don't know, you know, when's the next time we're going to be able to do that. You know, it, it's just really important to me that we, add, that I add to that, that I add to that, you know, I don't know, box of, of stories and, and um, choices. Cause I feel like I got to have 
a handful of choices when I was growing up, and then all that shit went away. So <laughs> it would be really nice for, you know, women of color uh, coming up to be able to also see themselves on the screen. Thank you for listening to this episode of Film Steve Podcast. And thank you to my guest, Sam Bailey. Please note, this podcast was originally recorded in February 2015. Since then, Sam Bailey has completed season two of You're So Talented. She's produced a steamy award-winning series titled Brown Girls, which was also nominated for an Emmy and was picked up by HBO. Follow Miss Bailey on Twitter at Sam Q. Bailey for more. Follow Films D at Films D and subscribe to our newsletter at FilmsD.com. Stay connected. Our next episode is featuring San Nicole Young, Chicago-based filmmaker and creator of The City Hate Club.